the word of God in my heart today. I trust you, Holy Spirit. Open my eyes to see. Open my ears to hear. Open my heart to receive. Grant me today, Father, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of my spirit and understanding would be enlightened, that I would know the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is in the saints, the exceeding greatness of your power working in me as a believer, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me today. I receive it. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now stretch your hands out to me. Agree with me, Heavenly Father. I thank you for the gifts and the callings of God. I thank you today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit on me to pastor your people, to teach your people, feed your sheep, feed your lambs. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the Holy Spirit anointing me to speak your word, to speak it with boldness and clarity in the name of Jesus. We agree, Father God, that you're at work in me and work in them to will and do of your good pleasure. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father God, for your goodness. All right. We're going to go to Jeremiah 29, if you'll go there with me, please. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. Are you there? Say, praise the Lord. Verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. So God is thinking thoughts towards you, about you, for your good. And he says, thoughts of peace. God is thinking thoughts of peace. And God is thinking thoughts that are not evil. So he's thinking good thoughts about you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I wasn't. It's not in my notes, but I'm just going to turn there. In Psalm 115, I'm just going here quickly. It says, verse 11, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us, and he will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel, and he will bless the house of Aaron, which means covenant. He'll bless according to covenant. But it says, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. So he's thinking about us. He's, his mind is full of good thoughts for us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. 
So God's thinking about everybody. And the only way God could think about everybody at the same time is he's God. And he's thinking about everybody And he's thinking about good things. And if we simply obey him, those that fear the Lord, reverence him. He said he will increase you more and more, you and your children. All right, so God is mindful of you, thinking about you. He has good thoughts for you, thoughts towards you. Not of evil, but thoughts of peace. Thoughts to bless you. Thoughts to do good towards you. And to give you an expected end. So our expectation should be based on his thoughts. Isaiah says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But God can reveal his thoughts to us. And his word is full of his thoughts. His word is full of his thoughts. So if you want to know what God thinks, then we have to go to his word. And so when we go to his word, we find out what he thinks. And what he thinks is motivated by love. So everything he does is motivated by love. So God loves you, and he's thinking good thoughts about you, and he's thinking peaceful thoughts about you. Oh, he's a good God. It'd be a good time to just shout. I mean, I mean, it's a lot of good times to do that. Praise the Lord. So uh, the goodness of God, the mercies of God, the love of God, the grace of God is an expression of who God is. And to give you this expected end, and then the Amplified Bible says, in other words, we want to expect what his word says. So we want to know what his thoughts are in his word, and then we want to have Faith and confidence and assurance and expectation that he's going to perform that in our lives. When you don't feel it, when you don't see it, he said he's still working. He's still working on our behalf. God is at work, and he's working for your good. And all things are working together for good to them that love God. And, of course, that's in the setting of prayer and praying in the Holy Spirit. But all things are working together when it looks like not so good, God can turn things around. I said, not so good. And I've had plenty of that in this past year and year and a half. And you've had plenty of that, but God. But God's still good. I say, God, it's still good, and he's still kind, and he's still loving, and he's still gracious, and he's still a good God who's wanting to manifest his goodness. Somebody say, good. God is a good God. 
It's the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. So if we want to know his ways or want to know his thoughts, go to his word and he'll tell us. Verse 12. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God said, when you go and pray, I'll listen, I'll hearken to you. Jeremiah 33 and 3 uh, 3 says, call unto me and I'll, what, answer thee and I'll show you great and mighty things. So when you pray, you seek God, then he'll reveal, he'll reveal his plan. (coughs) Pardon me. He'll reveal his plan to you. But his plan will always be in line with his word. So you always seek his word first. Go first to the word. Seek first the word of God. By seeking first the word of God, you're seeking God. You'll seek me and you'll find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. So Holy Spirit, we want to search for the word of God. We want to search so we, we... we read the Bible, we meditate on the Word, and we're looking for the truth of Jesus, the truth of God. So when you're looking to the Word, the Holy Spirit is revealing uh, the plan of God, and then He gets sometimes more specific regarding the plan of God for your life uh, because there are specifics for your life. I mentioned one just earlier, just serving people. I mean, that's not everybody's mercy gift in the sense of everybody's a served people in some degree, in some way, but not everybody has that kind of mercy gift that Lois has. That takes a grace, and it's a special grace. Some people have different gifts. Some people uh, are just encouragers. Some some people are just strong in giving in different areas. And I won't get into all the different uh, gifts because that's not my primary uh, purpose here right this moment. But to put that out there because sometimes we think about what is God's will for my life. And uh, most of the time is to do something for his kingdom. Serve people in some way or serve the kingdom of God. In some way, that's God's will. All right, so let's go to Philippians. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 3, if you will, please. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul here is writing by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 12, it says, not as though I'd already attained. I mean, he was talking about, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, but not as though I'd already attained. Either we're already perfect Well, there's no one in the room reached that yet perfect. 
in all their ways. We're growing. We're being perfected in him. Not as though it already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, follow after God. I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, the beginning of this in his life was uh, he's on his way to persecute Christians. That's his motivation. That's his goal. That's his uh, desire. That's his religious persuasion. Uh, and he's on his way to persecute Christians. While they were stoning uh, Stephen, the coats of the people that were stoning Stephen were laid at the feet of Saul. So we're talking about a murderous man who thinks he's doing God's service, but God met him. And God met him on the road to Damascus on his way to persecute Christians. Oh, we could say he met God. And so when he ran into God, God revealed himself to him, and his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And his whole destiny was turned. That was God's plan all along. It wasn't God's plan for him to do all the other stuff. It was God's plan to use the Apostle Paul. So God has a plan for us sometimes when we're going the wrong direction. And maybe not doing what Paul was doing or Saul was doing. But we're going the wrong direction. But God has another direction. And it's the right course for our life. So God lays his hand on us. If he can lay his hand on the apostle Paul, who was Saul, if he can lay his hand on him and turn his life around, he can lay his hand on you as a Christian. He's already laid his hand on you. And he can lay his hand on you for his will to be done in your life. And so, in this case, he says, I, 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 I'm doing something here. I'm following after so that I can apprehend and other translations say lay hold of. Lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. I want to put my hand or grip on or get a grip on what God has laid his hand on me for. And if your grip has slipped... Hebrews tell us, tells us not to let those things slip. So sometimes we've lost our grip. But how many glad that God, when you lost your grip, God had his hand on you? When you, when you didn't hold your grip or you didn't hold on tight. Or you didn't hold fast to your confession. You may have thought you did, but you lost your grip. And you let some, some things slip. And everybody's done that. There's no, uh, no shame or condemnation. God's just trying to help us get our grip. All right, so 
Faith is your grip on God. But grace is God's grip on you. Now, anybody in the room glad that God's grip on you is bigger than your grip on him? And glad that God's grip on you is b- bigger than your grip on him. He's got a better grip on you than you got on him. So when, when it's kind of like a, a child, if you were going to uh, walk a child across the street, what would you do? You'd hold their hand. You don't just say uh, to a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old, we're going to cross the street now. You know, and I know children start pretty young these days. Uh, but, okay, we're going to cross the street now. No, you hold on. And the younger they are, obviously, you really got to be holding on. Well, when you're walking across the street, they're holding your hand, but really, you're holding them more than they're holding you. And so God is holding you more than you're holding him. So he's got a grip on you that's greater than your grip on him. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. So, in other words, you're going to make it across the street. And if somehow you slipped, even slipped out of his hand for a minute. I mean, I'm talking about naturally as a parent. What's going to happen? Uh, he's going to grab Johnny or, or whoever, whatever his name is, her name, right? He's going to grab him. So thank God for the blood of Jesus and the grip of God on your life. But we are to what? Press, press toward God and follow after God and get a grip on what his plan is for our life. And never lose sight of it. Never lose sight of the plan of God for our life. So he says, I, I, I press or I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I'm apprehended of Christ. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Still acknowledging I haven't yet apprehended. But this one thing, so there is this forever ongoing process, when I say forever, uh, listening to Dad Hagen, he said, the more I know, I mean, he's in his 80s, the more I know, the more, uh, or the less I know, the more I see how little I know. Something of that nature. Yeah, you understand? In other words, he's acknowledging the more I grow and understand, the more I see I don't know that I don't know that much. Well, you know, if he didn't know that much, we don't know that much. And sometimes we hit a wall in our life or things happen and you think, my, what happened? But God. But God. God's still God. God's still good. And God's still got a plan. I say, God's still good. God's. Still God, he's still got a plan. And God's not without a plan no matter what happens. No matter what's occurred in your life, God's still got a plan. 
Well, let's just consider an example. Adam, the head of the human race, the first man, he fell. He sinned. That's going to affect the whole human race. And God didn't even twitch in the sense of thinking, I don't know what to do now. No, he already had a plan. So God knows our frailty. He knows our weaknesses. He knows even what's going to happen because he's God. He actually knows what's going to happen. Some things we prevent, and thank God we do, but not everything has been prevented in our life. But doesn't, you know, just because a mountain happened doesn't mean it can't be removed. If you never had a mountain, you would never have one to speak to. If you never had a, an obstacle, you'd never know what to overcome. I mean, in other words, we would like to just not have any obstacles or like to just not have any mountains to deal with. Or like to just not have any major issues in our life or problems or even little ones. But the reality is, in this world, you're going to have some tribulation. And when you hit those things or those things come, God is on your side. I said God is on your side. Praise God. And so if he had a plan for Adam, come on. And it was such an amazing plan that he uh, sent his son Jesus as the last Adam to do what Adam didn't do, to, uh, to fix what Adam messed up. And, and that's the whole story. Uh, obviously, we uh, can't do all of the preaching and teaching on that this morning, but we'll do it. But the reality is that the plan of God, even though Adam totally messed up, even though his kids totally messed up, they did. Cain killed Abel. I mean, how messed up can you get? I mean, that's the first family. And so, kids messed up, daddy messed up, mama messed up, but God. But God had a plan. Somebody say, God has a plan. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's go to this verse again. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Forgetting the things which are what? Behind. Everybody say behind. So God tells us to forget some stuff. Forget the things that are behind. Well, one, you would start with your failures. Obviously, you want to forget about it. Doesn't mean you don't want to learn from it. But you don't, you don't want to just sit and dwell on it. That's an that's a easy thing to do. Because failure will stare at you and try to remind you. And, and the devil is always trying to remind you of your failure. But God. I said, but God, somebody say, God is good, and his mercy endures forever. So you forget your failures, 
Now look at your neighbor and say, forget about it. There's a little line in the uh, movie, because the movies that I watch a lot, which is not a lot, but uh, when Ashley was a kid, you know, of course, Disney movies, and The Lion King's a little line in there, it says, put your behind in the past. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a play on put your past behind you, but Put your behind in the past. The reality is your behind is always in the past. It's always behind you no, no matter where you turn. If you didn't know that, go look in the mirror. Praise the Lord. There would be a problem if it was in front of you. All right, sir. But he said, put your behind in the past. So be in a play, he said, play on words, basically. He said, put your past behind you. In other words, forget about it. All right, so forget about your failures. No matter how you failed in the past, in 2021 or 2020 or wherever and whenever. Forget about your sins. Because God does. He said, forget. Didn't he say forget? Which sometimes is a process because it comes the thoughts and the imaginations and the pictures and the images of your failures and all of that comes back to hit you again. The devil will certainly oblige. He's a liar. He's a liar. And even though you did that, you may have done what they said you did, but you're not who they say you are. Right? Why? Because you've repented and the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. And if the blood of Jesus has cleansed you, then God's not looking at that. <clears throat> Are you with me? All right, so let's look here again. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says in verse 17, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So he's telling us he does not remember your sin. So if God is not remembering your sin, then he's obviously going to encourage you to forget about it. He's going to encourage you to forget your failures. Forget your sin. Because he has cast it into a sea. The depths of the sea, which we call the sea of forgetfulness. And so then in Isaiah 43, in verse 25, it says, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions. And he said, I do that for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. Why would he do it for his own sake? He wants, he loves you. Think about it. He loves you. And he loves you so much that he blots out your sin because he wants to be with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants a relationship with you. So he blots out your sin. All right, so he says, 
He blots out his, your sin for his own sake, and he will not remember your sins. Then he says, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. So he actually wants you to remember so much that you put him in remembrance. Of what? He said, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. In other words, let us plead together against. Plead together your case against the enemy and for your benefit. Let us plead together. Let us come into agreement. Let us plead the same case based on the same blood. So then we are to plead the blood based on what Jesus has done. He said, let us plead together. And then he says, declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Declare that you may be justified. So we've looked at some of these scriptures in our righteousness series. So when we consider this, God wants you to put him remembrance of the blood of Jesus. It's not like you're convincing God, but you're being convinced. I mean, God is faithful, but he does need you to put him in remembrance. He does need your confession. He does need you to hold fast your confession of faith in the blood of Jesus. He does need you because Jesus is a high priest of your confession. He's pleading your case. God's pleading your case. And he's always pleading it based on the blood. If he pled it based on your works, then you'd fail the test. But based on the blood of Jesus, you pass the test. And based on the blood of Jesus, you have access into the presence of God. And then you can seek him and you can find him. And you can know his plan because he shows it to you in his word. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And he reveals his, himself to you. And you're at peace about what his plan is from here. Hallelujah to Jesus. Somebody say, God is good. All right. So. Somebody say, declare. Put God in remembrance. Let us plead together. All right. Declare thou that you may be justified. Well, then, 2 Timothy 2.25 and 26 basically says this. It's, I'm not quoting the exact. I'm just saying, God grant us repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that we may recover ourselves from the snare of the devil. God grant us repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that we may recover ourselves from the snare of the devil. So the devil brings snares. But we acknowledge what? The truth. The truth about our sin, if we've sinned, the truth about God's forgiveness, the truth about the blood of Jesus, amen? By the acknowledging of the truth that we may recover ourselves from the snare of the devil. So basically, it's three things. Repent, receive God's love, and recover. Repent, receive God's love, and recover. And so when we repent, we've got to receive his mercy. Receive his love. And sometimes we're hard on ourselves. Right? And, and so we 
don't just receive like we should. So first you repent, but then you receive. Receive the love of God and God's recovery process occurs in your life. He restores. I will restore. Praise God. Somebody say God's a restorer. So then, number three, what do you do? You focus on God, His Word, and faith in Him for your future. So, yeah, we failed. We sinned. We messed up. We, Adam, messed up. Whole family messed up. But God, in His mercy, in His grace for the human race, had a plan. And He's never without a plan. All right, focus on God, His Word, and faith in Him for your future. And then number uh, uh, press, because we're now going to look at verse uh, 14, because he said, we forget the things that are behind, and we do what? Reach forth unto those things which are before. So we're forgetting, or in other words, we're letting go. We're letting go of what's in the past. In our minds, and our attitudes, and our thinking, and certainly in our actions. We're letting go of what's in the past, and what are we doing? We're reaching forth under those things which are before. And we do what? We press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We press toward the mark. There is a mark, there is a prize, there is a goal, and there is a prize, a reward. So then... You discover something of God's plan, and then you begin to implement, begin to act on. So then, in order to fulfill the plan of God, there must be action. So you act on what you believe is the right thing for you to do from here. You let go of the past, you forget the past, you put you behind in the past. And you look to the future. And you look to God for your future. You look to his word. You look to faith in God for your future. And you press toward that calling. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Press toward that high calling. Now, what is the calling of God? It can be very varied for a lot of different people. But what is God's call for you? You don't have to compare yourself with someone else, and that's an easy thing to do for anyone. Compare yourself with someone else and say, well, I'm a failure because I haven't done that, haven't done this, haven't done that, haven't, 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 haven't. And the devil will drive that. But Jesus, God helps us to discover what is our place, what is our, listen, praise God. Now, I don't know if Lois can sing. Can you sing, Lois? She can sing. She used to sing in the choir, right? Yeah. Well, that's great. She can sing in the choir. Can you play the piano? Can you play the piano? Well, what? Girl, we got to have you up here. <laughs> All right. What is it you can't do uh, or you don't do, let's say? Uh, can, you uh, can you play the drums? You can play the drums. <laughs> See, I must ask more questions. All right. Let's see, let's see. Can you fly an airplane? All right. We found some. She can't do. Didn't say she can't. She just doesn't know how right now. 
All right, so I don't know that she has that aspiration. All right. Well, maybe that's just not her call to fly an airplane. I, I don't think so. It's not her call. But serving Miss Daisy is, or serving others, is a call. It's a place. It's a gift. It's something God puts in a person. It's a grace from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you need to be ushers. Some of you need to be out there as an ambassador at the door. Come on, don't we need some more? Yeah. Some of you need to be in the children's ministry, and, you know, some, some of you need to be uh, in media somewhere, serving in some, some capacity, right? Not just people in this room, people that are watching. You need to be engaged in your call. What are you called to do? All right. But there are many other types of calls. Your work call can be a call. Your business can be a call. It's a gift, a grace. Am I helping somebody? All right. So you press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. All right. Let's go to Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah, and we're going to go to uh, chapter 43 today. Isaiah 43, and we're going to verse 18. Well, obviously, if there's no specific goal, then... Probably you're not going to reach it. In basketball, there's a goal. In football, there's a goal. Right? In golf, even, there's a goal. There's a hole. You want the ball to fall in the hole. For some people, it takes them longer. Some people, for Tiger Woods, it doesn't take as much. Or others that are professional. All right, so there's a goal in sports. Well, there's a goal in life. So then de determining and fixing your eyes on the goal and focusing on the goal and focusing on God helping you to get to that goal or reach that goal. All right, let's look at Isaiah 43, verse 18. It says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Don't remember the former things. Don't consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, I'm going to reveal it to, it to you. You're going to know this is, this is a new thing that I'm doing. Shall you not know it? He said, behold, I'm going to do a new thing, and it's going to spring forth, and you're going to know it. And I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, what seems impossible. We're in Nevada today because God made a way and people made a way. People had a dream, right? Even to get here. It's not the worst place in the world. If it were, people would not want to come here. And so, God made a way to get here. God made a way to cross the wilderness. And people crossed the wilderness. People cooperated with God, no doubt. And we live in Nevada as a result. Somebody went through the wilderness. There is actually a natural spring here. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't fulfill our needs. All right, so you have the Colorado River, you have the, the dam, and so forth. But there's a, there's a source. But when it rains, God makes rivers in the desert. Even, even in Israel, I mean, you visit Masada, and it's just a, a, like a big... Hills like a mountain, but it's a hill. And Herod built a palace up there. But they designed it so that when it rained, that we'd have the flash floods, that, that they would have cisterns that would catch that water, and then that's how they lived in, on that hill. It was a very secure place. Was, and so they could hide out there, and they could be there, and, and it was like a palace for him. I won't get into all detail. I'm just saying when the flash floods came, the rain water supplied. In other words, God makes it rain, and God provides the water, and that's totally in the desert in Israel that I'm speaking of. God supplies the way. He makes a way in the wilderness, and he gives you rivers in the desert in other words, he does the supernatural. He does things in the natural to provide for you, to make things work on your behalf. Hallelujah. Are you with me today? 